0: it next week too <laughs> see the problem with the world we have today is people aren't men- don't talk about Christmas they kind of just take the whole thing and just turn it into a holiday of gift giving and those kind of things and we lose the whole meaning of Christmas and then we wonder why we're all stressed out why, we're having, we have such a, why do I hate the holidays so much you don't like the holidays then you're trying to do too much because the holidays are, a desi- are designed for a time of rest for us And a time of joy. And a time for us Christians to rejoice. For Emmanuel has come. And that's what we need to focus on. It's not focusing on the gifts that we have to buy for such and such. We buy gifts and presents for people we don't even like. And we worry about what we're going to buy someone we don't even like. (laughs) And we wonder why we're stressed out. But that isn't what the holidays are about. But this morning I want to talk about. And we're going to be in Matthew, the second chapter. And I know these verses are familiar with all of us. But it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about them again. And maybe by next year we'll forget about them and then we'll talk about them again next year. (laughs) That's the interesting thing about it. So, we're going to be in Matthew, the second chapter. And we're going to talk about the wise men this morning. Not the wise guys. (laughs) We have a lot of wise guys in this world. Wise men. Man, we need to seek some wise men in this world, don't we? Especially in our leadership because we don't have wise men in Washington. We have wise guys. lot of wise guys but no wise men and and if you're praying for our nation that's one thing we need to pray for them that they'll find some wisdom they'll find some common sense i don't care if they find wisdom if they just find common sense (laughs) and they would understand some of those things that's up there but anyway we're going to talk about the wise men this morning in chapter two of matthew starting with verse one and it said after jesus was born in bethlehem in judea during the time of king herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, people's, the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where, is, where the Christ, child Christ was to be born? In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in land of of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When, the star, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On the coming up to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense or frankincense and of myrrh. And having been warned in, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's often been wondered what the Christmas story would have been like if wise women would have came instead of wise men. You ever wondered about that? Well, first of all, they would have asked for directions before they left. (laughs) They would have made it to Bethlehem on time. They would have helped with the delivery. (laughs) They would have cleaned up the stable made a decent meal, and brought some practical gifts if the wise women would have come. Women are, are more focused on other things than what men are, So, but it's kind of interesting to, you know, to think about that, and it's kind of funny to think about that instance, but it was wise men that came, and we really don't know a lot about these wise men. Don't have a lot of knowledge about it. We just know they came from a long ways away, and we don't know what kind of men they were. We don't really know a lot about us, about them. Now, the Latin word magi is where we get the word magician. So that kind of gives us a little bit of insight into what kind of men these were. Magician is based on the word magi. Now, we know all about magicians from uh, the occult and from... uh, We have magicians today, only they're not really magicians. They're just, uh, uh, what do you call them? They change the focus of where you're at. They, they, They put things in that you're not really seeing what you think you're seeing. I don't know what, I can't, huh? Illusion, that's what it is. They're just illusions. <laughs> and so, but they, we call them magicians. But these guys weren't illusionists. They were, they were magi from the East. They were wise men from the East, or what the Bible calls wise men. And the Bible called them wise men. I would say that they were pretty wise. Wise men. And um, we wonder why didn't we get some a little more information about these guys. And but they come from the East, and we have all these things that, that's coming up and derived about these wise men in our Christmas story, but the Bible really doesn't tell us a lot about them. They tell us there was, we think that there's three of them because there was three gifts. But the Bible doesn't say there was just three of them. I think that there was a whole caravan of people that came because uh, these guys evidently were wealthy guys. So if they were wealthy, they surely wouldn't be traveling a great distance by themselves because it's dangerous to travel at night in, in those areas along the deserts because of bandits. So they had to have a big enough entourage of people in order to scare away the people that would want to rob them. So that much, you know, we can kind of assume. Of course, uh, tradition says there was three kings, so that's what we always see in the mangers is three kings. So when you buy a manger, you've got to have three kings or it isn't a complete manger. And then uh, later on, they decided about the 6th century that they had names for them. There was Belchar and Gabar, or somebody else, uh, uh, Balthazar and Gaspar. They decided they're going to name them. I don't know where they got these names from. But the Bible doesn't give us any names, so I'm assuming nobody knew. Well, why doesn't, why doesn't Matthew give us these information? I believe we find it in verse 3. And it, and it said, And asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, the whole purpose for the wise men to come was to worship him. That was their whole purpose. And if the Bible would have told us more information about these guys and where they came from, who they were, what their background was, how important they were, and all these other kind of things, then the focus would have been on the wise men and not on Jesus, the one that they came to worship. So God didn't leave out stuff just to drive us crazy. He left it out so our focus would be on the purpose of their visit. They came from a long way, and their purpose was to worship God, not to leave an information about who they were, so they could write their memoirs. We were the three kings who came to worship Jesus. (laughs) Can't you see it? They got a wise men library over here in Baghdad or somewhere. (laughs) Everybody that's been rulers or famous has a library. You know, we have the Bush library, the Clinton library. Everybody has their memoirs and that written in books. But if they'd have done all these kind of things, we'd know more about the wise men and we'd kind of push Jesus right out of the Christmas story. So that's why Matthew, I believe, didn't, uh, didn't tell us a lot about him because he didn't want us to to worship the wise men. He wanted us to be focused on Jesus' birth because that's the focus of Christmas, is on Jesus' birth. And when we start losing the focus of what Christmas is all about, that's when we get stressed out. So if you're getting stressed out, get your focus back where it belongs and remember that Jesus came to this earth and was born on Christmas. I know that if you look at the history of it, he wasn't born in December. I know that. And a lot of people get so up in a uproar about that. Oh, I'm not celebrating Christmas. He wasn't even born in December. Well, who cares? I don't care when he was born. He was more likely born in, in March or April, in case you didn't know that. But I don't care. I don't get caught up in that. Have you ever had a birthday party for your kid that wasn't on his birthday? You ever done that? Because it's, it's, it was more convenient to have a certain time or whatever. I don't care why they celebrate it, whether it's the right day or not. I like Christmas. Because I like to celebrate a time when people turn into human beings. Don't you? Any other time, you know, they'd be yelling and screaming and grumbling, and there's a lot of people still grumble in that. But generally when you go out to the stores, people are smiling, they're having a happy happy face, and, they're, you know, it, it's kind of a different environment. So I like that. So I don't care when, as far as the celebration of the birth goes, just so we celebrate it. Because it's an event in history, not unlike any other event in history. And we need to celebrate it. He was, his birth was more important than any other birth in, in the history of mankind. And we need to have a day set aside to do it. We celebrate President's Day, not on their birthdays. We celebrate it on the Monday after the closest to it or something. Whatever it is. We've changed it, but we don't care. Hey, you get a day off, I don't care what day it is, right? <laughs> they, can have a, they can have a birthday on a Tuesday and we celebrate it on a Monday. That's all right, I don't care. Well, that's kind of the scenario. So don't let people then trap you into that kind of thing because it doesn't matter. They're just trying to dissuade you away from the reason for Christmas and saying, see, there's no reason to celebrate Jesus' birth on Christmas because that isn't really his birthday. So just so you know, hey, I'll give you a little bit of ammunition here to fight these people. Who cares? Don't care. I'm celebrating it because Christ was born. And see, Christmas, Christ, take Christ out of Christmas, you have Xmas, You have mus or mess. (laughs) Take Christ out of Christmas, you'll have a mess. And that's why the society we're living is having so much trouble, because we've taken Christ out of Christmas. Anyway, back to the wise men. (laughs) We don't know a lot about these wise men, but we do know, or think, that they came from uh, Babylon. Because if you'll remember in through your history, and if you come to Bible study on Wednesday nights... (laughs) In Sunday school, you'd learn that in Israel was taken captive when they were conquered by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, and they were taken to Babylon. And all the smartest people are the ones that were the most gifted. They were taken right into the king's court. We have Daniel, we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, of course, those are the, aren't their Jewish names. Probably don't know their real names. <laughs> <laughs> I do. See, it's uh, Meshach. Michelle, Miguel, let's see, Shadrach, Shema, Shaman. Oh, I ain't going to go through it anyway. The pronouncing it's hard. Anyway, they were taken to Babylon too. Now, these were wise guys. These were really wise men of those days. And they exceeded in knowledge and wisdom in that environment of, of Babylon. And Daniel, of course, he was the chief. He was, you know, second in command of the kingdom or whatever it was because he was so smart. And these people, they were, he was the head of the Magi. Or the wise men So we kind of know That this is probably where they came from And because of Daniel's influence In that environment And his teaching And him talking about prophecy Because he taught this stuff You know we read it in the Bible in Daniel And we read scattered prophecies throughout Isaiah And Jeremiah and, and all the minor prophets About all the things that was coming that When Jesus would come And if you follow his prophecies in that, they knew the exact day that Jesus was going to go through Jerusalem on a donkey. So they knew the time was there because when certain things happened, they were looking for him. So these magi who were taught by Daniel hundreds of years before were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a king and they were expecting something to happen because of his teaching. And this stuff was passed on down from one generation to the other, to the other generation. Now, I don't know whether they were Jewish people or not. I have no idea. They could have been uh, Jewish people born in Babylon at the time. I have no idea. doesn't tell us. If you like them to be Jewish people, then let them be Jewish people. doesn't make any difference to me <laughs> one way or the other. But we kind of think that that's where they came from. So it was a, far, a long ways away that they came. Now, in Numbers 24:17 it says a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, the Magi took all the scriptures of the Bible or the Old Testament, because that's what they had. All they had was the prophet and the law and those things. They didn't have, you know, a lot of the books that we have. But they had information of the prophets that were there. And they took the, the Bible literally. They took these scriptures literally. So they were looking for a star. They were looking literally looking for a star that will come out of Jacob. So they knew, that, knew it was going to be a star, and out of Jacob knew that he had to be Jew, Jew, a Jewish person. He had to be a Jewish king, so they knew that. And they took it literally, so they wasn't looking somewhere to their east for the star. They were looking in the east from where they're, you know, in the west from where they were out. So they were focused on a certain area because they believed the Bible. See, if we would just believe the Bible, we'd have a lot of things answered in our lives. If you're having a problem with something in your life, read the Bible and believe it. If God says something there, that's what he meant. And he prophesied that Jesus was going to be born and he's going to put a star in the heavens to give you a sign. And see, the problem was they were looking for the sign. And so therefore, when they saw the star, as it said in uh, verse 10, it said, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Wow, they were so excited about it, just like we are to a degree today about prophecy when it starts coming to pass, man, we get excited. You know, the world's in turmoil. The world's uh, all upset and stressed out because they don't know what's going to happen. But see, we know what's going to happen. So when this stuff starts to happen, we know that Jesus is going to return soon. We don't know when, so we start looking for the signs. We start looking for the things that say, hey, Jesus is going to come. And it doesn't depress us, it makes us happy. It excites us, doesn't it? Anyway, it should. If you're not excited about it, then, hey, you need to get saved. (laughs) Because we're going home. And that's exciting to me. And one day there's going to be a sign in the heaven. Oh, the world probably won't see us. We're going to hear a trumpet sound. And we're going to be out of here. And I'm excited about that. And just as real as Jesus came the first time, he's going to come again. And he's going to take us that are ready and waiting and looking for him. He's going to take us home. So we can get excited about that and we have to believe the Bible that says it because if he said it literally the first time, he meant every word the second time. So we can take it literally because God spoke it literally for us. So, but they gave, <clears throat> so the Magi came for a long distance and it was a dangerous trip, but they were focused on what they wanted to do. They had seen the star and they were so excited about what was happening that they were could hardly wait. So they didn't just sit around and say, well, Guess let's see. Let me look at my vacation schedule. See if I can work in the time to go there. They picked up right there, and man, they found the one one of the most uh, greatest events in history had happened. Just like we would be if we heard had an opportunity to see something that no one else had seen ever, and we had an opportunity to be there. We would do. We'd just drop everything. Now I know I don't like the for the present the uh, the government that's that's in force right now. I don't like a lot of the decisions they make. But if I get an invitation to the White House, hey, I'm gonna take it. And I hope he gives me a few minutes to talk. Because <laughs> we have some things to talk about. But we would accept that and it would be a great honor. And we'd drop everything to do it, wouldn't we? And regardless of the circumstances, hey, I'm sending Air Force One for you. Hey, hallelujah! I'm gone. <laughs> well, one day Jesus is gonna send Jesus one after us. <laughs> and I'm excited about that. So that was a, it's an event that was once-in-a-lifetime thing that happened to these guys. They'd been heard about this for years and years and years and years, hundreds of years, and wow, all of a sudden, there it is! And man, they just dropped everything. And they gathered up all their stuff that they wanted to get to go there. So we have got to give these guys credit. They were seekers. They were true seekers of the truth. And they come to worship, worship Christ. Now, this is in contrast to the Jewish leaders... And the prophets and all, not the prophets necessarily, not the prophets, the Jewish leaders and the religious leaders and the, all the people of Israel that sh- should have been looking for the same signs these guys were. I don't know whether these guys were Israel- Israelites or not or Jews, but the Jews should have known. Because it was their scripture that they used to know that a star was going to happen sometime. And yet they could care less. The same star that the w- uh, wise men saw is the same star they could have seen if they were looking for it. But see, they weren't interested in looking for the star. They weren't interested in what was going on in the world. They weren't interested to go six miles to Bethlehem to see if it was true. I mean, six, six miles, that probably isn't even a day's journey. But they weren't willing to go that far. Well, see, that's the world the world is today. They're not willing to seek the reason for we celebrate Christmas. They're not willing to go that short distance that it'd take to go to a church or turn on a TV channel to find out the truth Is this the truth? Do we celebrate Christmas because there was really the Son of God? Did he really, was he really born? Was he really the Son of God? They don't want to be bothered with that. They're too busy doing other things. The same as these Jewish leaders and chief priests were. But see, Matthew's writing this, this book of Matthew to the Jewish people. And he wants them to be like the Magi and not like their religious leaders. He wants them to be able to come to the same conclusion the wise men had after reading his book that was his purpose he wanted them to be like the wise men who came to worship Jesus and they wanted him to know that Jesus was the Messiah that was predicted about in the Old Testament he was the Messiah and he was the one they'd been looking for they were looking for a Messiah but they wanted to look for one on their own terms and we can't look for him. we can't come to Christ on our own terms we have to come to the way that God wants us to come and that's, otherwise, we will never see him. We'll never be able to have the opportunity to understand who he actually was. We have to come on God's terms. And see, when we come to God, if we have a void in our life, in which everybody does that doesn't know God or doesn't know Jesus, we have a void in our life. And this time of year, especially, we want to try to fill up this season with, with buying gifts and fill it up with parties, and some people fill it up with booze and other things, trying to have a good time. Well, the only good time that we're going to have is when we accept Christ into our heart and when he changes us and he fills that void in our life. And it's real easy to do. All we have to do is realize we're a sinner and come come to him and confess our sins and say, hey, Lord, here I am. Be Lord of my life. It's so simple. It's the simplest gift that you can have. It doesn't matter what kind of gifts you get at Christmas this year. You can set them under your tree and they can look so pretty. But until you take that gift and unwrap it, it means absolutely nothing. The box of the outside package means absolutely nothing. You've got to take that gift into yourself. Otherwise, you might. it's just, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have any purpose. And that's the same thing with God's gift of Christmas to us individually. We have to take Christ into our own lives. We have to unwrap him. We have to be able to submit ourselves to him. Otherwise, we'll never be able to enjoy the gift. Because a gift, I don't care what it is, if you want a new microwave for Christmas and you get one and you leave it in the box, you're not going to be able to enjoy the gift. Well, the world is leaving the Christmas gift of God that God gave each one of us in the box. And that isn't God's will for our life. He wants us to unwrap the gift. But anyway, so, but it's important not only that we seek like the wise men did, but we continue to seek. And wise men today, they continue to seek him. They still seek him today and wise men only seek him they still serve him the magi came to jerusalem because they you know knew that much they knew that jerusalem was the capital of, of israel they knew that much they didn't know all evidently missed the scripture on bethlehem so they came where they thought they could find the exact place so it's okay to ask for directions we don't know everything i don't know everything and sometimes i have to ask questions And if I don't know it, I sit there and I look it up until I find the answer. But it's okay to ask for directions, men. I think they invented GPSs just for men so they wouldn't have to ask for directions. (laughs) But they get them anyway. And if you notice that most of all the GPSs, they have a woman's voice on it. (laughs) Because the women know where they're going. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So, but anyway, it's okay to ask. Ask for direction. Matthew 2.3 says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was with him. Can you imagine a big entourage coming into Canab looking for something? Man, we want to know what all the commotion was about. And when they come to Herod and say, Hey, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod says, Whoa, wait a minute here. Hey, I'm the king of the Jews. I don't think I like this very much. Because Herod got in his position by stealing and cheating and murdering and all kinds of things in order to get into that position of power. He didn't want somebody coming in, being born a king. Hey, that doesn't fit with my my theology or anything else like that. So Matthew, in verse 8, it says, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. Now, we all know he wasn't interested in worshiping worshiping the baby Jesus, the future king of the Jew. He wasn't interested at all because he was the competition. And back then, you killed the competition. That's the way you dealt with them. It wasn't like the best man wins. Ah! Uh-uh. It's the one that kills you first, didn't kill you, is the one that winners. one last one standing is the winner. So he had different ideas about that. But you know, after they had that little talk with Herod, they had a couple choices to make after they found Jesus. They could worship Jesus and choose Jesus, or they could choose Herod's and go back and tell him where the baby was. Because, hey, Herod was a wealthy man, and he was powerful. And he could give them a lot of money. He could give them a lot of great rewards and some prestige and all kinds of things That they, if they'd have wanted to. See, so they had a choice to make. They could have chose to tell Herod, or they could choose, well, you know, Jesus is just a baby. You know, we can, we can all right, we'll worship Herod now, then we'll worship Jesus when he gets a little older. When he's actually king, then we'll worship him. They had a choice to make, and sometimes every day we have a choice to make. Because there's offers of rewards and different things. If we will just lower our principles, if we'll just go against what we know to be true, we can be rewarded. But that is isn't God's will for our life. Uh, Verse 12 says, And having been warned warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. See, they made their decision. They didn't care. They had come to worship the baby, and that's what they came for. And they wouldn't let anything dissuade them from it, no matter how appealing the offers will be, no matter what else happened. And that's what we need to be as Christians. We need to have our mind made up that we're going to serve God regardless of what goes on in this world. Doesn't matter what the king can give us. Doesn't matter what such and such can give us. Doesn't matter the promotions we get. We need to make a choice that we're going to serve God and we're going to seek him but we're going to worship him. We're going to find him. We're going to serve him. We have to make those decisions. Otherwise, we're going to be tempted by the wealth of this world. And we're going to be distracted, especially during Christmas holidays. Wise men only seek him and serve him, but they still worship him. In verse 3, it says, And asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They came with one purpose in mind, and that was to worship Jesus. That was the only one thing that they wanted to do. Now, they came probably 700 miles to worship the one that was born king of the Jews. And we've got so many people today they won't even drive a mile to go to church. <laughs> I can't, I'm too busy, I'm too tired. I did whatever the excuses may be. Well, see, we have to have a desire in our heart to worship him. It isn't enough just to seek him, which is good, because if you seek him, you'll find him. That's, you know, that's, that's a good thing to do, seek him. But then the serve me comes in <laughs> we, don't, we don't necessarily want to serve him We just want to seek him maybe And find out who he is But well, I don't know about this serve me thing Because that kind of gets in the way sometimes You know, Interferes with our own plans A little bit doesn't it Oh man I don't like that one I'll seek him I'll come to church But then worship him Hey now wait a minute here Let's see I seeked him That should be good enough but it isn't good enough because it isn't one it's one thing to seek him, another thing to serve him, another thing to worship him. And we think that while well, worship is that, well, I come to church on Sunday. I think that's all it entails. Is just come to church on Sunday. But worship doesn't necessarily have to do just with coming to church. There's more involved than just coming to church. Otherwise, there'd be people all over in the world be Christians. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter how many churches you go to. It isn't going to make it isn't going to get you one. Put into the door in heaven. Has to be a change in our heart. We know that. So coming to church is just part of worship. We have to be to sing praises to God. We have to, have to listen to the word and let it transform our lives. That's part of worship too. And then we see here what else is involved in worship. And it said they were in, uh, they presented their gifts to the king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Part of their worship that they had, they came seeking the the king to worship him, but part of that worship involved giving. Now, they didn't just sit there and go on a leisurely ride out in the desert one day and said, oh, I think we'll go to Jerusalem. Oh, a baby's been born. Let's go to the shower. Oh, wait a minute. We didn't bring anything with us. Where's the mall? We got to go to the store. Got to go find a gift. No, they planned in advance that what they were going to do. They not only came to worship him, but they planned to bring him gifts. Because back in that time, you never, you didn't go to see a, a king without a gift. <laughs> Especially the one that they were expecting to see, the Son of God. King of the Jews. The ultimate king that they'd heard their whole lives about and been taught about. So they didn't come in the empty-handed. They brought gold, and gold was a gift for a king. You gave somebody gold, that meant... They, it was a gift for a king, and Jesus was a king. They brought him frank, myrrh, and this was a gift. Or, excuse me, frankincense. Frankincense they brought also, which was a gift for a priest. Now, frankincense was a lot <coughs> was used a lot in their worship, in the worship ceremonies that they had, and sweet fragrance and things. And this oil, some of these oil, anointing oil we have has frankincense in it, one of the one of the ingredients because the aroma is really good. It's, it's a sweet-smelling savor and incense to God. Now our praise is the incense that God wants to smell. So God, well how do we worship God? We praise him because he likes the worship. He likes the praise of his people because to him, that's just like smelling the best perfume you've ever smelled. But that's what they brought because Jesus was our priest. He was not only the king, but he was also a priest. And then there was myrrh that they brought, and this is what they used to anoint the dead. It was very fragrant oil that they used. I guess you need a lot of real strong, potent stuff to s- get rid of the smell of death. Because <laughs> that, you know, if you've ever been around anything that's dead, you know how bad that stuff stinks. Kill a mouse in your house and you don't find it, you'll, oh you know, man, you'll smell that for weeks. You can either tear the walls apart and find it or just wait till it, for, pretty soon it'll go away after it's gone through its, through its thing. So myrrh was for that. Now, I don't know whether they had known in their minds the significance of the gifts that they brought. I don't know that. I think that God just influenced them or inspired them to bring these gifts. Just like sometimes we don't always know what God's purpose is in our life and the things that we do. We don't always know. Well, we just do it because we feel like that's what God wants us to do. And he has a significance for it sometimes. Well, that is the significance of their gifts we talk about every year at Christmas time. And we understand the significance today. But they probably didn't. I'm guessing they probably didn't. They just felt like these were the most expensive things that we could get that's small and portable to to bring. Now, I don't know how much gold they brought or how much frankincense. We have these little things in our, uh, every skit that you have or manger scenes. They have a little box. Now, I don't know whether it was just in a little box or not. I have no idea. But I do know it was very expensive, the gifts that they brought. And these gifts that they brought was enough to support Jesus for a long time, support his family for a long time. And that was important because you got to support the ministry, right? <laughs> so we have to support the ministry. So part of the worship that worship is giving. And we don't always see it like that, but that's what it is. That's what God calls it. Worship is part of it is giving because we're promoting the ministry of his work. And so we, that's part of our, part of our giving is worship. <clears throat> and these weren't, like I said, these weren't just anything they picked up. Because sometimes we go somewhere, we don't know what to get for Uncle Fred or somewhere like that. We figure out, well, what are we going to get them? So we'll buy him a cheese tray or we'll buy him something because we haven't a clue. The hardest person in the world for us to buy for is my husband's dad. You know, somebody has everything. Don't you just hate buying gifts for them? Or they got more money than you got, so you can't give them money. <laughs> That's what we do for our kids. We just send them a check. It's a lot easier and don't have to fight the crowds. Don't have to do any of that stuff. Just give them money. But I can't give him money because he sends us money. <laughs> Here, Dad. Here, we'll give you this. Only more, we're not going to give you near as much as you gave us. <laughs> but they put some, they just, they had to put some thought into what they were going to get. And they had to go round it up and they had to do, I guess that's why shopping is such a thing. You know, you're going there, what are we going to give for such and such? And then you shop around and you look. And, and I believe that there was some shopping that went on in, in there looking for what they were going to bring. They just didn't grab anything that was in the corner to give to somebody. They, some great thought went into it. And I believe that God inspired them to bring the presents that they did. And they were expensive gifts. We always talk about it isn't the importance of the expense of the gift. It's the thought behind the gift. Well, that works for us. <laughs> Well, God wants our heart, and sometimes God doesn't have our heart unless He has our wallet. <coughs> you know that to be true? God has your wallet, He has your heart, because that's where our heart is, isn't it? It isn't where it should be, but <coughs> seems like that's what it is if you're, I can find out immediately by going through your checkbook whether or not you worship God. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <coughs> but anyway, now we can attend church and still not worship God. We have to have the total package, because God just doesn't want part of it. He didn't want just the one gift. He just didn't want the gold. He wanted the frankincense and the myrrh, too. He wanted all of of it, all of the stuff that we need in order. That's because if he has a heart, he has us. And when we worship God and we come to church and we worship him, we sing praises, and we listen to the word, and we allow the word to change us, because it doesn't make any difference. We can read this Bible all day long, but if it doesn't make a difference in our life, what's the point? So part of worship is listening to the word and putting it in our heart because he says that we hide his word in our heart. It keeps us from sinning. I will not sin against thee. And God doesn't want us sinning. So therefore, how are we going to quit doing it? By worshiping him, by, by coming to church, by giving, by praising God, singing praises and act like we enjoy ourselves. And I know that we always don't feel like it. That's when the sacrifice of praise comes in didn't say you had to feel like it. Is there anyone in there that says you have to feel like it? <laughs> if it did, well, I guess the church would be empty this morning because there's some days we don't even feel like coming to church. There's some days I don't feel like coming to church. Some days, you know, I'm reminded of the guy that gets up on Sunday morning, throws the covers over his head and tells his wife, I'm not going to church today. Well, you have to go. Why? Why do I have to go? I don't like those people down there. They don't like me. They they—they Just all they do is fight and argue, and I'm tired of it. Well, you still have to go. No, I'm not going to go. I don't like it. Man, the weather's nice. Besides that, I'm tired. I worked hard all week. So you still have to go. Give me one good reason why I have to go, because you're the pastor. Some days are like that. It isn't just for you. It's for here too. Some days think, oh, man, it'd be so much nicer. Just stay home today. Well, see, so that's when the sacrifice comes in. And these guys had to sacrifice something to come and worship Christ. They had to sacrifice a long journey, 750 miles. Now, we don't think that's very far nowadays because what does it take us to go 750 miles? What, 15 hours maybe? Stopping for eating in potty breaks, maybe? 15 hours, does that sound about right? They, had, they were traveled a long time. I don't know how long it took them to get there. It might have taken them a year to get there, for all I know, because... <coughs> Jesus wasn't still in the manger when the wise men showed up. They were in a house. (laughs) So it was a while after he was born that they showed up. So they struggled a long time. How would you like to travel a year to get to church? For one service. One service. Man, that better be a good service. (laughs) But that's what they did. They, They had their minds focused on what they wanted to do. Now it's so easy for us to come and worship Christ. So wise men, they still seek him, they still serve him, and they still worship him. You want to be a wise man this morning, or a wise woman? <laughs> I want to be a wise man. I want to be a wise woman. I want to seek him, and serve him, and worship him. And you can't take anything out of that package. Because if you, don't, if you take one of those things out, you can't worship him. Because you need all three of those things. You have to seek him. Because when you seek him, you find him. And every day we have to seek him. Every day we have to talk to him. Every day we have to, to offer sacrifices of praise unto him and worship him. And we have to serve him. And there's a lot of ways that we can serve him. Sometimes it's in the church by doing something, helping with the kids, teaching Bible study, whatever it might be. But sometimes it may be just going off and helping your neighbor shovel his sidewalk in the snow. There's all kinds of ways that we can find at this special, this time of year, to serve people. And when we do it, then we say, you know, God bless you. Thank you. You know, know, I'm doing it for the Lord or something. It gives you an opportunity to witness for Christ. That's a good reason alone, only if you have no other reason, do it for that. When you do something nice for someone else, it gives you an opportunity to say, you know, I felt like God wanted me to do this. Or give an opportunity to to worship God. Because that's how we worship God and serve Him. And I want to be wise. Especially this time of year. I don't want to be a wise guy. I want to be a wise man, a wise woman. And be able to worship him. And keep him in Christmas. And have the whole purpose of my Christmas to worship him. Not worship the almighty dollar. Not worship, whoa, what am I going to get for Christmas? Oh man, my great rich uncle's going to give me something nice. And we get so excited about what he's going to give you. And we could care less about what God gave us. And we forget about the reason for the season. And Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's pray.